Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 15th of June. Millions of residents across the country are being warned they could face major power outages as our energy crisis continues to worsen. So far, shutdowns have been avoided as demand increases amid chronic supply shortages. Several states have been urged to conserve power, while some experts claim big multinational companies exporting our gas reserves are partly to blame. Tim Buckley from the Climate Energy Finance says major reform is needed as energy costs continue to soar. We used to pay three to four dollars a unit for gas, um, wholesale gas prices for 50 years, opened up Gladstone and now we're paying $40 a unit. So we've seen a tenfold increase and that is what I would call a gas crisis. Cabinet ministers will meet in central Queensland today as pressure mounts on the federal government to tackle the problem. The Reserve Bank Governor is warning inflation in Australia will continue to skyrocket, flagging more interest rate increases could be on the way. Philip Lowe says inflation could hit 7% by Christmas. It comes off the back of last week's 50 basis point hike to 0.85%, which was a shock to many economists. Mr Lowe has told the ABC there are a number of factors to consider. The other consideration was that inflation's high. It's too high. At the moment it's 5% and by the end of the year I expect inflation to get to 7%. That's a very high number and we need to be able to chart a course back to 2 to 3% inflation. I'm confident that we can do that, but it's going to take time. More than 2.6 million Australians, meantime, on the minimum wage could finally be in for a pay increase as the Fair Work Commission makes its decision today. The Albanese government has pushed for low-paid workers' pay not to go backwards. Unions have been calling for a 5.5% increase. Sally McManus from the ACTU says we need to keep up with inflation. There's never, ever been a time where a pay increase has been more important and that's obviously because of rising inflation. low paid workers in particular are really, really struggling and that's because all the basics are going up. And mask requirements could ease in airports across the country as early as this weekend. Health chiefs have advised they're no longer necessary, considering they've been dropped in nearly all other indoor settings. Masks would still need to be worn on planes. The Australian Health Protection Principal Committee saying it will issue further advice on this in the future. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground to WA where coal power is coming to an end with state-owned stations in the state south to be shut down by the end of the decade. Our reporter Emma Griffiths has the latest from Perth. Yeah, that's right, Tash. It's a landmark announcement for WA with the state government setting the date for the closure of the Collie and Muger stations in the southwest. The Collie plant will be retired in late 2027 while the remaining units at Muger will close in late 2029 as the government shifts its focus to renewable energy and storage. Around 1,200 staff from Collie and surrounding areas will be affected though, but Premier Mark McGowan says coal is becoming less viable. They've got to ramp up and ramp down each and every day. That's not what they're designed for. And so therefore it adds huge cost to the system uh, and uh, huge maintenance costs. So it's just the nature of technology is changing which is making coal less and less viable. While $660 million will be pumped into the town of Collie for its transition. 
Now to New South Wales, where families are set to save thousands of dollars on their preschool costs over the next four years. The state government has announced a $1.4 billion commitment to try to ease the cost of living pressures for families. Our reporter Madeline Palmer is in Sydney with the details. The program is set to kick off next year, Tash, where all New South Wales families will be eligible to receive between two and $4,000 per year in fee relief for their three, four and five-year-olds. $376.5 million will also be spent on the state government's Brighter Beginnings program, which includes making the Blue Book digital. It comes after a whopping $5 billion was committed to childcare ahead of this month's budget. Subsidies will be given to childcare providers planning on hiring more staff to also help lower fees for parents. Treasurer Matt Keane says households will save thousands of dollars. This policy, if you have one child in care, will lower the average cost of childcare by $3,900 per annum. That's an absolute game changer. The plan is part of the government's bid to close the gender working gap by at least 14% within the next decade. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. Some very concerning news regarding the economy both in the US and here in Australia. The Australian Stock Exchange fell sharply yesterday, having its worst day since March 2020. Good morning. Yeah, it was a bit of a tale of woe, wasn't it? I guess I'm, I'm half laughing because what else do you do other than cry? Uh, the market at one point yesterday was down 5.4%. Now, it's not every day you can have a 1.8% gain during the trading day and still end up down 3.6%, but that was our experience yesterday. It came from a couple of days in a row in the US of big falls. Of course, our market was closed on Monday, so we had to have two days of falls and we caught up with it in a big way yesterday. And are there more falls ahead? It's certainly not a good outlook for the economy. No, it's not. Look, there probably are, quite honestly. Volatility is going to remain central to what's going on. Traders and investors are just not sure what to expect. And there's a horrible cliche that the market hates uncertainty. But cliches are cliches generally because they're true, or at least they're widely accepted to be true. This time around, I think that's the story. No one really knows how bad this gets. And whatever that remains top of people's minds and, and frankly, motivating them to, to maybe take an action, that action is generally selling. So, look, don't know what will happen next. No one knows, but more volatility is almost certain. And, Scott, we heard earlier with some uh, dire predictions from the RBA boss. So what's ahead? Will we see inflation skyrocket and, therefore, interest rates also increase? Yeah, I think you've pretty much nailed it, Tash. So, uh, you know, Governor Lowe said 7% inflation he's expecting by the end of the year. Uh, and that'll be, by the way, despite everything they do to try and restrain it. So let's assume it would have been worse had they done nothing. At least that's their hope. That's why they're acting. Uh, he's also said that, you know, neutral interest rates are somewhere between 2 and 3%. And that's the cash rate. Remember, we're well under 1% at the moment. So he's kind of saying, look, there's another maybe up to a couple of percentage points potentially before we get to neutral. He's not promising we'll get there this economic cycle. And we may not. But with inflation likely at 70%, uh, 7%, I should say, and he's saying he will do, quote, whatever's necessary, that pretty much feels to me like there are some rocky times ahead, unfortunately. Yeah, and talking about rocky times, uh, growing predictions of a recession in the US that is imminent, are we set to face the same situation here with a recession? Yeah, again, predictions are hard to make, right? I don't want to be that guy, but um, the, the reality is that if both central banks are saying, effectively, we will jack rates up as high as we need to, to kill inflation off. That's the primary 
action. That's the primary aim. And the consequence will be whatever the consequence is. The reality is if you've got to put rates up high enough to bring an 8% inflation rate there, 7% here, back to 2 to 3%, what you're really saying is we're going to slow the economy dramatically. I think it's probably odds on in the US. They end up with a recession here. I think the problem is going to be if they do end up in recession there and we're tightening interest rates here, Gee, it seems pretty likely, doesn't it? So I don't want to be that guy. And I said, mm. I, I desperately hope we don't end up in that situation. But all signs, unfortunately, point to recession being uh, almost necessary, almost back to Paul Keating's comments in the early 1990s, because inflation's got to be killed off. And it may well be the economy has to contract for that to happen. The recession no one wanted. You know it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Scott. <laughs> Time for sport now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, how good were the Socceroos yesterday booking their place in history and, of course, a spot at the World Cup. And now it's New Zealand's turn to complete their fairy tale this morning. Yeah, good morning, Tash. That's right. Unfortunately, no fairy tale for New Zealand. The All Whites going down to Costa Rica 1 0 in their playoff this morning. This was the final spot at the World Cup in Qatar later this year, but they couldn't get it done, unlike back in 2010 when they made the World Cup shortly after the Socceroos had qualified as well, but uh, yeah, no Andrew Redmayne heroics that we saw yesterday becoming our new national hero when he came on as the substitute goalkeeper for that epic, dramatic penalty shootout. So the Socceroos off to the World Cup. Of course, we face uh, France, Tunisia and Denmark in a fairly uh, tough group. Uh, Qatar underway in November later this year. Yeah, how good was the grey wiggle? I love the grey wiggle. I actually <laughs> thought he was like one of those inflatables you see yeah, at uh, car yards, but it paid off. <laughs> did it what? It certainly did. And Glenn Maxwell has fired the Aussies to victory against Sri Lanka in the first one day or overnight, Brett. Yeah, it was a rain affected as well, this one. So the Duckworth-Lewis method came in and Australia chasing a revised target. Some nervous moments, though. They got there with nine balls to spare and two wickets in the pavilion. Glenn Maxwell was uh, clearly the player of the match, smashing an unbeaten 80 off 51, including uh, six sixes. And he says it never felt like they were in control. I suppose on that pitch that you're never 100% out of the line until that, that last ball gets over the right. So nice to have the job done. And Brett, plenty of AFL and NRL news around this morning as well. Yeah, and we'll start with the AFL, the Australian Football Hall of Fame ceremony held last night. And we have our 32nd legend, Port Adelaide champion Russell Ebert, who sadly passed away last year, posthumously elevated to legend status. He won four McGarry medals and three premierships in the SANFL and spent a, a short stint with North Melbourne in the then VFL. But he was an icon of South Australian football. Eight players inducted into the Hall of Fame, including Indigenous trailblazer Nicky Winmar, Matthew Pavlich, arguably, or not arguably, the Dockers' greatest ever player, and the game's record holder, Brent Harvey, who joked that his North Melbourne teammates thought he'd be better off as a jockey. My first training session there, Ian Fairley, I jumped on the uh, scales and Ian Fairley said I was 64 kilos, and he goes, wow, Flemington's about 10k that way, mate. <laughs> In the NRL, we'll go through some team news with team sheets out. A timely boost for the Tigers, Adam Dewey will make his return from a knee reconstruction against the Bulldogs this weekend. They've lost. Luciano Leilua, who's signed with the Cowboys, will join them immediately. Another team news, Caleb and Ponga, Luke Keary have been named by the Knights and Roosters despite suffering head knocks last weekend. The Broncos are missing skipper Adam Reynolds against the Storm, who have named Ryan Pappenhausen on the reserves, Tash. Big day in sport. Thanks so much, Brett. Thanks, Tash. 
How good is this? Aussie racehorse Nature Strip has made history by winning the world's most coveted five-day carnival. The superstar taking out the Kingstand Stakes at Royal Ascot, beating the best of the best. Trainer Chris Waller has described the win in the top five of his incredible career, saying the dominant performance shows everyone how strong we are in Australia. Here is the winning moment. So they head down to the closing stages of Furlong to go in the King Stand, and as they do so, Nature Stripe leading to Acklam Express in second place. Twilight Course coming home in third position, but it is the great Australian sprinter, Nature Stripe and James McDonald, and look how far they've won by. Incredible, that audio, thanks to Sky Sport Racing. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow.